0: old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Now, like many of the things Paul writes, when we first hear that passage, it's it's inspirational. We get rather excited. You know, it's all about newness, and something that's changing, and there's a new future and a new world, and that's wonderful. Unfortunately, once we just let the passage sink in a bit, it's not quite as definitive, quite as clear. It's very pleasant to say that we no longer see the world from a human point of view, but rather from God's point of view. Though the question has not really been answered, and what is God's point of view? How would we find that out? What would it look like? And if we could see the world as we're supposed to from God's point of view, uh, what changes would that make? To represent this new point of view that we're supposed to have, and that's what we're going to be discussing today, we have something new for our backpack. Binoculars. Yep, we're going to see things in a new and different way. (laughs) Which takes work. See, it's all planned. See, there we go. Out there. Way out there, oh boy, sunbathing in March, that's amazing. (laughs) So we'll add that at the end of the service to the things we need, because we are, in Christ, seeing something from a new point of view, from a new perspective. Fortunately for us, by the way, the passage tells us what that new perspective is. It actually goes on, the metaphor switches a bit, but it's the same meaning. All this is from God who reconciled us to divinity through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making an appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Put simply, what Paul is saying here is that, and we have a slide, I think, for this, God is the impulse, the impetus at the heart of creation, seeking to make all things fit together as they should, in peace. And it is this reality we should be seeking to discover, alive and active in us and the world around us. This is what gives us this new life. We now have a new perspective as we have basically a new job. We've been promoted from what we were doing. We've been given a new job, and it's to do something. See, the history of our faith, and this goes right back to our Jewish roots, has never been primarily, it's had this as a part, but it's never been primarily a faith in which we've thought about God or imagined God or pictured God or theologized about God. thats We do that, but that's not what the faith was about. The faith was being with that God, in some sense expressing the power of that God in our world. This is what the Jews did. They have all those laws, and usually we look at them and say, Oh, that's an awful lot of laws to obey. They weren't just put there because they had nothing else to do but make up laws. They were put there as they were shaping a community. And if you go through them at the heart, is how do we share? How do people hold power? How do we get to know one another? Where is the fence around this community? How do we live with one another within it? it? It's an experiment in living out this impetus of God to reconcile, to make the world one, to bring things together and put them where they should be. The oldest Christian document we have, which actually predates much of the New Testament, is called the Didache. We don't read from it much because today it almost appears boring because what it is, it's how to live in a Christian community in the first century. It talks about almsgiving. If a visitor comes, how do you welcome a visitor? How do you treat one another? If there is a dispute, what's the dispute settlement? It's all about that because they realize that to say we're in Christ in some sort of vague theoretical way is not enough. It's we're living the reconciling life that Christ lived in our world. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new, because that's what we have to do. If you're going to be a person who works on a cruise ship, you'd probably go out and take a few cruises and see what it's like. If you're going to be a lawyer, you have to go and, and learn from the inside by joining a law firm and help, helping them to see or helping to see what they do you become a Christian you have to take on the work of Christ which is the work of reconciliation see when most people look around what they see is a world of disorder and conflict and enmity and they throw up their hands and say this, this world is a horrible place I don't know where we'd even start but Jesus did he looked around and said yes that's there but what God wants us to become is a world of order cooperation and love, or a world where everyone can fit together, everyone can join hands, everyone can be a part of the community. And there, my friends, is your mandate. What are you doing about it? And this is the exciting part of the Christian life. Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors, by the way, were very common in the Roman Empire. They ran around all the time making peace. That's basically what they did. They were the dispute settlers, not only between different regions, different groups, different nationalities, different people within the empire. And everyone who read this in the first century would say, yeah, we we know some ambassadors. And Paul was saying, and that's who you are for Christ. Christ's ministry was to reconcile people together. So that's what you're doing. That's what you should be stressing. And that is what we do. Now first, we have a step to take, and that is reconcile ourselves with the world around us. And that's not always easy. Years ago, I remember Calgary Presbytery had a visitor who worked for the United Church in one of the churches in Africa. And if you know the United Church, all our foreign missions are not done by sending out people to do things. We send them to other churches who tell them, this is what we need done, and then they do it. So this uh, minister came this night, and we all sat there in presbytery, because we know we'd have a list of, and here's how you can help us. You can send food and clothes and medicine, and you can come over and you can do this. He simply looked at us, and he said, I've been asked by my church to tell you what we need from you. Nothing. First, clean up your own act. See, it's always easy, isn't it? I, I know how to fix that. You know, I can go out there and I can do that. But first, and Jesus said this too, first look at the the sliver that's in your own eye. You know, first look at the things that are wrong in your life, and then you can go out and be recon- help to reconcile others. So, be reconciled. Now, most of us have an instinct to say, yep, I'm okay, done that, been there. Really? You know, how many unmentioned elephants are there in the room of your own life? Yep, there are a few relationships, broken past relationships that we'd like to see back together, but uh, we don't really know how to do it problems we know need to be solved in the community, problems around us, problems at work, all these things. And we tend to just spend our lives sort of skirting around them and hoping if we don't mention them and don't look hard enough, we won't ever bump into them and somehow we'll manage through. What Paul says is, be reconciled. Because when you have problems like that that you're not dealing with, you're actually being, Paul puts it in this language, you're being hostile to God most of us say, I'm never hostile to God, and we say, well, you are, because that's not God's vision of the world, and therefore, there's something separating you from that divine spirit of love and reconciliation. Now, it's, it's difficult, but I would hope that as we go out today, we'll pick one problem, one broken chain, one broken link in the chain that we know about, and say, this week, I'm going to work on that and get it settled. I'm going to make the phone call. should have made it Three months ago when that happened, but I didn't. I'm going to write the letter, send the email, go to the meeting and see if I can straighten things out, go into Herb's office and see if we can talk things out together. That's what we're being called upon to do. And it is not easy. But as you do it, remember that one of the phrases that all of us have heard, and it's probably a phrase filled with more relief than any other phrase on the face of the earth, is Boy, I wish I'd done that 10 years ago. Yeah? I wish I'd done that. 10 years ago, but I didn't. You know, I should have done that. I should have done that. Uh, But I've avoided it. Even as communities, we avoid things. I had a friend, Derek Bridges, who was a lawyer here in Calgary. Some of you may have dealt with him. But he always used to say, what we do is we set up committees. And committees are groups of people in which we talk to convince ourselves that we should have done the things that we already knew we should have done. That's what a committee is. And then, of course, the committee reports, and then you send that report to another committee so they can look at it and talk about the things that you haven't done but you should have done and knew about already. Yeah. No. Go out and do it. And what you find is once you've actually settled one of those disputes that have gone on forever, what a wonderful feeling it is. And why don't we? It's the basic word. We hear it here every week. Faith. You know, do you really trust the Spirit of Christ living in you enough to go out and face the unknown? That's that's the final question. Because that's when faith becomes real. Again, it's not a pleasant hymn or a nice thought or a theological concept that we hold on to. It is rather an understanding of the world that when we do our ministry, ministry of reconciliation that Christ will in some way meet us and things will happen in unexpected and wondrous ways if we live in that spirit. All right, let's be reconciled with those around us. Let's solve some of our own problems. And what about then the bigger problems around us? People with whom we don't agree, and we just we seem to go on year after year, and we don't know what to do with them. They're, they're there and they, they sort of bother us. Well, I think I could say first, there are two kinds of people. First, there are those simply with whom we don't agree. We've got to find a way to to speak to them and to work with them. And secondly, those people who are really against us in a mean and nasty way. And there's two different groups of people, and I'd like to look at them individually today. Uh, First, people who do not agree with us. You know, I like this, they like that. I want to go here, they want to go there. I want this color on the walls they want that color on the walls, whatever it is. And we run into this all the time in the world. Well, what we need, I think, for that, is we need X-ray binoculars, where we can get to see into the heart of the other person. How many here, and I'm talking now, probably you've got gray hair, and you may be wearing one of the hearing devices. How many here... Remember comic books in the 1950s and maybe into the 60s? And on the back pages of the comic book, they would have all those cheap things you could buy by sending in a label or something. And one of them was the x-ray glasses. Remember the idea? Buy these glasses and you can see right through people's clothes. Uh, No, I never bought them. And because I, I thought about it. I thought about it. And I don't, I don't know how they, well, they didn't work, but I, I really wondered what you did get when you got them. That was the only reason I would have bought them, just to find out how you we were being ripped off. Well, we need that kind because we need to be able to begin in our lives, not just to look at people, well, he's against me here. You know, he likes chocolate ice cream, and I like vanilla ice cream, so there's no hope of our reconciliation. Look more deeply. Look into the heart of other people and say, what is really there? Uh, At this point, I think of John Wesley, who after a very long and tedious and at times very hot theological debate said, I care not for thine opinions, if thine heart is as my heart, give me thine hand. I don't really like what you're saying in this debate, I think you're on the wrong side, but give me your hand. And we'll go on together. There it is, my friends. There will be people, and you don't know why they like chocolate ice cream, and you like vanilla. Am I mixed up on the ice creams? I don't know. You don't know why that is. But think there's other things that bind you together. Look for those. So let's go out for a steak dinner. We won't have any ice cream at all, and we'll be just fine. And then gradually... You grow together. This is how communities are built. I I loved watching churches that had gathered together for infant cold. And we had very theologically different, structurally different congregations at times coming together to prepare the meals. It was wonderful. Yep, there's theology we can't agree on. There's ways of seeing God that maybe we may not understand. But we can do this. We're in the same ministry. We're trying to make things better. We're trying to work together. And that's what life is ultimately about. Find the tie that binds because we are bound in Christ. And the second group of people, as I mentioned, are people we try to be reconciled with. We put out the hand as uh, John Wesley did and said, you know, can't we, can't we do better here? And unfortunately, no matter how hard we seem to try, we just can't get through them. What do you do there? You step away, not with anger, not with hatred, not with a put-down. You simply say, you know, right now, may change. Leave that in the hands of God. Right now, I don't think that we're going to be too efficiently able to settle this problem. So right now, let's just step aside. In his book, Living with Guilt, Henry McKeating said this. What then is changed by the experience of reconciliation or acceptance? The past is not changed. You know, if somebody's hurt you in the past, yep, still happened, you can't deny that. The offender himself may not be. I mean, this is what the kind of people we're talking about right now. There are some people who just won't change. What is changed is some of the results of the past. What is changed is the significance of the past. You cannot undo, or only rarely, the practical consequences of past actions. But you can change what you let it do to you. Somebody has hurt you. They don't seem to be in any way upset by that. They think they were right and you deserved it. All right, and you've let that eat into your heart. But you can change what you let that past do to you. Actually, there's nothing more satisfying than have someone who's always been able to come, get under your skin. For example, at the office, they're always coming in and making a little dig about something they know you think is, is special. Ignore it. It'll drive them crazy. Because you suddenly said you no longer have power over me. You can babble on all you want. I'm where I am. God is with me. Go ahead. I sometimes think one of the great mistakes we make with modern media we have are these single shooters who go in and and murder 10, 20 people. And we give them front-page coverage. Their picture, their life story, the story of their blogs, their story about the community they belong to, all the past gripes they've had with the world, all the past run-ins they've had with police. We make them famous. Everybody knows their name. It would be far better to say there was a lunatic the other day who murdered several people, the justice system will take care of him, and we're not going to give him any publicity at all. So what he wanted, of course, was to be known, yeah, I was the guy who stood up and did what I did, well, but nobody knows. I don't know how far that would go or how far it would work, but I do think we give far too many evil people far, far too much publicity. The idea is that sometimes we have to let things go and let God handle it. I've done as much as I can with this group, as much as I can with this person, as much as I can with this situation. I haven't been able to solve everything. God will handle it. I'm going to go on and be reconciled with other people and change the world. Seeing things from God's perspective, seeing ourselves as having that job of being reconcilers does change us. It changes our priorities. It changes the things that are important. It changes the things we worry about and care about. I think it's like something I discovered many years ago when we began in art museums especially uh, to have the tour guides that fit in your ears and you can go around. It used to be, you know, go through the museum, woman with a hat, woman without a hat, woman with no arms, dead woman, fat woman, big man, you know. Have you seen all the pictures? I saw them all, yeah, I just walked along, there's there's one gallery done, now let's do another one. You suddenly put in the tour guides, the audio guides, and it's, wow, look at the bottom right-hand corner of this picture, notice the symbolism there, and notice how he's picked that up and put it throughout. You can stand five minutes looking at one painting and going, that is just amazing. When we are in Christ when we make an effort to see ourselves as being people who are made to bring people together, to heal situations, to bring love, to bring friendship, to bring smiles to the world, not complaints, we're suddenly hearing a whole new story in our ears. And we're suddenly able to respond in whole new ways to the world around us. And for this, thanks be to God. And the whole people of God say, Amen. It's a song of praise to the Maker.